0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Changing the Climate, a show where we talk about the changing world around us and how we can make it better. Brought to you by Climate Change Realty. The only real estate brokerage that donates 50% of its net commissions to 501c3 nonprofit organizations dedicated to fighting climate change. Scott, nice to meet you, man. Thanks so much for taking some time to come on the show. I uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ethan. My pleasure. Uh, we always like to get the podcast started with a little bit of background on who you are and how you got to be doing what you're doing at the moment.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, born and raised in in Michigan, and uh, a big influence was me was I, I grew up with a father who was um, an academic, so a professor at Michigan State, and you know, n- not only an academic, but he had his own laboratory. So as a kid, I used to go in there and I used to just play around with things, and I got to be exposed to a lot of. Um, scientific things that that really led me down the road of of pursuing science just based on opportunity. Um, And then I also taught sailing in the summers. And so I loved marine biology and I loved being on the water. So uh, when when I thought about whether to go down finance or all these different roads, I said, I really like being by the water and I really like science. So I studied marine biology. And uh, you know, without you know, really thinking about how do I, what am I going to do, and how am I going to make money someday? But I just kind of pursued my interests, and I said, if I like this, you know, we'll we'll make something work if you if you really like it. So, studied marine biology, worked at a bunch of companies uh, uh, after college, doing algae L- biofuels, all sorts of uh, different biotechnology products.
0: Got my PhD
1: in uh, molecular biology. Studied algae while I was doing that, and then started the business that we can talk about today. While I was in grad school,
0: really, really cool. Well, it's what's crazy to me is that like we've got this giant planet with billions of people, and we know a fair amount. Science has evolved a lot over millennia, but like the marine world, it's like a whole nother planet. I've talked about this on the show in the past. Uh, have you always just you've always just been interested in like the ocean and life underwater?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's interesting. I, yeah, like I, I scuba dived. Um, I grew up in Michigan, where there's lakes everywhere, and you know, I, I think you're right. I mean, part of my interest was I remember I, I taught sailing, and I was a lifeguard in California during one summer, and I sat there and I just looked at the ocean, and there's kelp everywhere, there's dolphins, and it just said, you know, like it is an unexplored world. It's an un, there's untapped potential in microbial life or marine life because it's just, it's a whole nother world, right? So I always kind of came from this angle of like, there's gotta be discoveries. There's gotta be interesting things we can do with these resources. Cause when you think about it, the world is mostly ocean, you know? And sure. so uh, there's a lot of uh, things that have been un- uh, unexplored. And so that's kind of why I want to get into It's like, let's, let's figure out what's down there. And it, you know, and it's always been on my mind to not only figure out what's down there, but how can we apply it to make the world a safer, more sustainable
0: uh, place
1: that, you know, can help humans.
0: Right on. So was your thesis related to the company that eventually ended up coming out of your PhD or, or what?
1: Yeah, not not really. It was actually, so I studied um, some pretty in-depth molecular biology things. All of it was about kind of trying to grow algae as a crop. So there was some application there. So when you think of corn and potatoes, I mean, you know, that's th- th- those, those crops have been grown for tens of thousands of years, right? Like trying to breed plants to make a better corn plant. And so um, algae was kind of this new uh, crop that needed some help to kind of uh, get off the ground and grow consistently and grow it at scale. So my, my Ph.D. was there. Um, it was not related to ink or pigments in order to know anything about that. You know, the, the idea actually happened when I was in grad school and I was like very deep in the zone of science and algae. Um, I was in the lab. I went out to, uh, there used to be an old Safeway store on the on the corner next to my my building in grad school. It was a Safeway and I went to buy a greeting card. And I just looked around me and I just realized like ink was like covering everything. And I just had this moment of like, well, like what is ink? And this was, I was in grad school where I was very creative. There's no kids, there's no, very few distractions. I was just like thinking about the world, you know? And like, what, what's everything made out of, right? And then you go back and you go okay like ink is made of petroleum and then you go well what's my toothbrush made out of you're like oh well it's plastic so it's petroleum and then you start going down this list and like what what is everything that i use and it's all petroleum and that's when i became obsessed with like let's let's replace some of these these petroleum-based products with kind of more sustainable or bio-based uh products so Uh, Yeah, it happened in a Safeway grocery store, not not studying or even, you know, in my lab, but it all contributed.
0: (laughs) Well, it always seems to be like that. People have these epiphanies and things like I I had no idea how I didn't even know what petroleum was, you know, a year and a half ago. The uh, the, the opportunity of talking to all these amazing people and getting deep into the space, you start to learn more and more about how the world works. And I remember I had one person on the podcast who's uh, more of a, a climate skeptic. And she's like, what are we going to do if we get rid of all your all the petroleum? It's like your your headphones are petroleum. Your microphone's yeah, yeah, made out of petroleum. Yeah. It's like everything is. Um, so what what exactly uh, is Living Inc? Like your company? What do you do? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So at Living Inc, what we do is we work with algae producers. So essentially algae farmers that are around the world. And we take... Um, part of the algae that they grow. So kind of a a byproduct of the algae. And what is algae? Oh, so yeah, good question. So algae is the little um, plant that grows in your ponds, your swimming pool, the ocean, it's usually green, it can be red and brown, it can be these different colors, but yeah, it's an aquatic plant. That floats around and and, uh you know you may have even heard of some of the algae blooms that occur when there's a bunch of nutrients like down by florida and these algae blooms come up and just demonstrates the potential of it right there's these algae blooms because they grow so fast so it's a very productive organism and what's great about it is that it actually uses sunlight to grow it's essentially solar energy uh and so we we, we we take algae and we turn it into uh pigments and these pigments can be used in everything from ink on your shirt to ink on your shoes to cosmetic products for eyeliner we can even put it into plastics like here and actually make a plastic or rubber colorant um, so right now we're focused on making uh, black pigment in black ink uh, but we can also do different colors so yellow cyan red and actually make different colors for all these different applications
0: did you not have like an interest in going down like the academic road and becoming like a researcher or was that ever in your mind?
1: Yeah, I mean, it kind of was cause that was my background and you know, I really respect basic science. And I, I think that, um, you know, there, there's a lot of, um, you know scientists or academics around the world doing really great science, even if it's not, you know truly applied, we have to understand the basic science in order to know anything about how to apply the science. So you know, there was a part of me when I started grad school that, you know, I thought, you know, I could I could go down that academic route. And then after working at these startup companies, I just get like, uh, get very excited. And it, it, it's uh, almost like a little bit of adrenaline rush to say, how do we make these leaps of faith? How do we, how do we make things happen? And, you know, the goal that I've always really wanted to do is, you know, I, I watched a lot of my um, colleagues in grad school, um, struggle to get grant funding. So you get a grant and then you spend all that funding and then you got to go get more grants. And so my whole idea really, since I was in college was develop a company that um, has strong revenue uh, that is a financially sustainable business that take that can then, uh, allocate funds to do R&D and to do other cool crazy science and so you know more of a sustainable enterprise less of a go get grants and spend the money and and so so answer yes but um, definitely not i'm going down a very hardcore startup path right now <laughs> <laughs> right on and how long ago
0: did you start the company
1: technically it was 2014 while well, we were in grad school so we weren't doing it full time we just had a few ideas we did a crowdfunding campaign and um, you know we won some business pitch competitions and you know, kind of like you not knowing what petroleum was a year and a half ago. We sat down with a with an advisor from CSU, and uh, her name was Sharice Bowen, and she was at the uh, entrepreneurship uh, uh, um, department. And she said, you know, we got to get your deck together. And we're like, what's a deck, you know? And she's like, oh, it's, you know, it's a couple of slides that talk about what you're doing. So, you know, that, that's how, you know, you, 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 the only way you ever start approaching a subject is by starting from scratch, right? And so that was right. kind of 2014. And then ever since then, we've been learning every single day, every week about business, science, all these things.
0: What was your experience like going from, like, getting, like, the hardcore data and science to, like, this whole trailblazer, I'm going to start my own company kind of phase? Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I think it's really fun, you know? I mean, I think it's – I think what's what's different about – there's a lot of similarities, problem solving, independent work, curiosity, you know, even in business, you know, even with what you're doing, you know, you have to make a hypothesis that I think this business is going to work. Now I got to figure out how to make it work. And I might prove that this doesn't work, but I'll go over here and I'll try this. So I see a lot of similarities, but you know, one of the biggest differences and the thing that I really enjoy is kind of the 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 relationships and the people right in science there was nobody that could ever help me finish my PhD it was I had to do the work and the science had to work and I had to publish the paper to then graduate you know what's fun about business even from day one is that you know one conversation can change the way you see things can change the yeah. partnerships that you have and I think that's the exciting things is that, that things move very fast and. Where science things typically move very slow, and that's part of the challenge with Living Ink is that when you know someone says some brand will say, "Can you do this?" and we will say, "Technically, yes." Okay, well, how long would that take? What are the resources needed to do that? Um, but you know, we've worked on a couple projects where people have actually paid us to do some of the work upfront. So you know, it's just a different model of of, of doing things. But yeah, every single thing, every single good thing that's happened at Living Ink is because of people. Whether it's internal, external, it's just people.
0: Well I love that. I mean the whole society, the whole world is is built on people. It's something you it's something you got to forget, yeah. or you can't yeah. forget. And then yeah. people can be unreasonable and people can be reasonable. That's <laughs> why I always love the value of uh, discourse discourse, just kind of talking through everything, which seems like it's can be tough sometimes. But um yeah, yeah, let's exactly. let's get into a a little bit of a conversation yeah. about like what is ink. I'm, I'm I'm sure you have like the figures like you said you looked around and it was like covering everything, but how much ink do we really use at least in the U S each year? Yeah. And like, what's like the primary usage for ink? I, mean, I imagine. I'm like, I'm, as soon as you said that, I'm like looking at my tie and I'm like this tie. Yeah. It's, like it was my grandfather's yeah. tie. it's like, this is probably yeah. yeah. ink as well. Right.
1: Yeah. It's definitely got pigments in it and, put, and definitely dyes. If not, if not kind of ink, but um, yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, worldwide about 9 billion pounds of ink is used every year. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's, uh, I should probably have a number to, to put that into relative terms, but it's, it's a lot and yeah, a lot of it's, it's, yeah, exactly. A whole lot of elephants, whole lot. Of, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, it's used from everything from packaging to, um, for, to textiles, to publications. I mean, even on my desk here, I've got ink everywhere. I've got, you know, things on my wall that are covered in ink. Um, and it's amazing at how many groups reach out to us. So whether they're looking for pigments or ink, but adhesive companies, HVAC companies, um, you know, uh, uh, liquor companies who are doing promotional materials or labels. I mean, it just goes on and on Like when you start talking to brands, how much ink they use and all these different things. And I would say that a few years ago, ink was kind of a secondary thing, right? Plastic was a big deal. Cardboard was a big deal. And now everyone's realizing, wow, like th- this ink can really affect things, both from a safety, from a, uh, um, sustainability aspect. Um, So, yeah, it's it's one of those things that you never think about. I never did until you start to look around the world going, oh, there's ink everywhere. Every Amazon box is just covered in black ink now, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. So we we do use a lot of ink, but I did want to ask you if you think it's actually something that's like necessary for our society
1: yeah i mean you know so it's a great question because as someone who is um you know focused on sustainability and really you know in in somewhere in some ways just the yeah, minimalism right like um i'm all about using lessing right when i go into the store and i see like a you know uh, a box covered in yellow ink. I'm like, is that really necessary? And I think if you ask the marketers, like it is. Like they have to stand out. They have to have their brand. Like right? Coca Cola red. Like it has to be Coca Cola red. It can't be off the of shade. And so, you know, I, I think that there are people out there that you know will say that um, that ink and, and colorants is a big part of the you know success of the brand that they've built. That being said you're starting to see a lot of brands especially the larger ones that already have built that great brand to say you know what we're going to do craft paper that's 100 recyclable and we're going to throw some black algae ink on there and we're going to keep it simple and we're going to use minimal ink you know and 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 that's what i like to hear because i work with some some of these projects and i'm like you know ideally you don't use any ink if you don't have to (laughs) Mm -hmm. that being said when you think about a label it's got a you know a label has to have ingredients on there it's got to have barcodes so you know there are a lot of applications where ink is completely necessary but a lot of you know, in the digital world, where we realize, we well, you know we don't need to print newspapers as much, maybe because we can just pull up, pull it up on our phone and things like that.
0: Yeah. Well, I love, I love asking the ink salesman if you think ink is necessary. Just like people are like, um, should I buy a house? It's like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna try to take an unbiased. It's what's the yeah. best interest. But um, no, I think if you if you are a good salesman, you do genuinely care about your customer, and if you have yeah. this integrated yeah. sustainability piece, um, it's definitely a factor in your mind. I, So let's let's talk about the difference between like industry standard ink, specifically like Mm -hmm. when it comes to carbon footprint, or uh, versus your ink product. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So um, in terms of kind of sustainability,
0: sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So you know, one of the uh, you know, I'll say performance and sustainability. So really, what we're focused on right now is making a, a a black pigment that replaces a pigment called carbon black. You know, carbon black is made from they basically burn a bunch of oil and they get a little bit of this leftover kind of soot or just kind of black pigment. Um, and so that's, you, you know, a, a tire is black because it has carbon black in there. So again, my headphones have carbon black pigments, the water bottles, the plastic and rubber carbon black. So a lot of carbon black out there. We go head to head with carbon black in terms of performance and sustainability. And there's a couple performance issues uh, or, or, or issues to talk about that we've overcome. And, and one is that the black pigment that we made doesn't fade when you leave it in sunlight. So UV light from sunlight, the reason that we put sunscreen on is because UV light's pretty harsh. UV light can start to break down materials and colorants. And so we have a black pigment that's made from algae. That doesn't break down under UV light, and then we've also developed a pigment that's really black. Because when you talk to a marketer or 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 a brand manager, like they if they if they're going to do black, like they want it to be jet black. They don't want a brownish black. They want it to be black. And so our two main characteristics: black doesn't fade in UV light. Um, from a sustainability standpoint, um, there's about uh, you know if you make let's just say you make let's just say you fill up my water jug with a pigment,
0: mm-hmm. we'll
1: call it a liter. Uh, To make that liter of carbon black, you produce anywhere between about two to five kilograms of carbon dioxide. So if you make this much carbon black, you would produce two to five of these full of carbon dioxide that go into the atmosphere. Man, wild. What we do is if we make a kilo or or a liter of, of algae black that fills this container up, we actually remove about four of these of carbon dioxide. So that's how we become, you know, not only are we neutral, but we're actually removing carbon from the atmosphere because of the process that we've been developing, which is difficult. Like even the uh, the professor that we worked on the the life cycle analysis with was going like, oh, this is pretty, uh, this is really interesting. Like, this is how you do it. And I can get into the details uh, without going too deep, but um, but that that's, that's kind of the sustainability is that, um, you know, we're about uh, 200% reduction in carbon emissions compared to the traditional carbon black.
0: All right. First off, that's awesome. Second off, I'd love to go into the details. If you, yeah. you don't want to go to uh PhD molecular biology, yeah, indeed, yeah, but yeah. whatever you want to share, I'd love to hear it.
1: Yeah. I mean, so basically, you know, we, we've developed different colors of ink, right? And so um, we've developed, let's just say a green ink from algae, right? So uh, if I printed green ink on my paper here and we go put it in my backyard, it's going to start to break down and it's fully biodegradable. What biodegradable means is that these bonds are breaking, and as that's all happening, you know, you, you, you would, this would be covered in green ink, you'd come out a week later, and there'd be no more green ink in there because it's fully biodegraded. Now, as it degrades, it's releasing gases. So in some ways, people say, oh, biodegradable is really good, but biodegradable does mean we're releasing gases back into the atmosphere. Now, what we do at Living Ink is the process that we've developed, we're actually locking up um, well, I'll start from the beginning. So, algae grow, like, you know, if you've ever seen a green pond, that's just algae growing. As it grows and as it kind of grows more and more cells or more and more biomass, it's actually growing its building blocks or carbon dioxide. So, as it grows, it's pulling carbon dioxide out of the air, similar to a tree, just using carbon dioxide to grow. And what we do in the process um, with making our black pigment is we lock that carbon up into a form that's stable for uh, hundreds if not thousands of years. So what's interesting is that the black pigment that we produce is not truly biodegradable, although it's safe and it's inert, it just sits there. It's actually storing the carbon that was pulled out of the atmosphere from the algae. So that's kind of how that carbon negative uh, works. So I don't know if that was too deep or not deep enough, but
0: that was was perfect.
1: It's 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 basically a carbon capture technology that just keeps these chunks of carbon stable.
0: And how does that how does like the price compare to like the typical petroleum-based ink product? And who's will if there is a premium, who's willing to like pay it?
1: Yeah, yeah. So right now, you know, one of the goals we're doing is getting down to price um parody. you know right now we're working with um, a lot of early adopters who are willing to pay a premium but there, there is a marketing value there is a story um we are a small company so um you know it depends on the ink type some ink types were right at price comparison so for some of the screen printing inks here in the us now when we start going overseas to asia we're about twice as expensive as these traditional inks that are that are used um but you know some of the largest brands in the world both for packaging Um, textile footwear are starting to adopt this ink. And, you know, what's interesting is that um, uh, when you print on a shirt, um, you're only using so much ink. So even if our ink is a little bit more expensive, it's still a very small or insignificant part to the overall cost of goods sold of making, let's say, a, a shirt, for example, or a pair of shoes. So, I've been pretty surprised at all of the different brands who are now starting to just not even worry about price point and say, we got a great story here. And we know that we need to do things that are more sustainable because that's what the consumer is demanding.
0: Right. So, is your company mostly like B2C or do you have, or B2B or do you have like customers that actually buy the product for you just to use around the house or something like that?
1: Yeah, we've done a little bit of both over the years. You know, right now I would say we're pretty focused on B2B. Um, you know, sure. we have to sell a lot of ink to small kind of artists and groups doing things versus one large order to, let's say, a Patagonia. Um, that That's right now what what really helps um, uh, our business is some of these larger orders where uh, there's a lot of volume being printed. Um, you know, uh, what's interesting about being, you know, an ink salesman, I guess, in being in the ink industry is <laughs> that, you know, to, to, to print, um, you know, 10,000, you know, here's my sheet of paper to print 10,000 of these sheets of paper, you don't need that much ink. And so that's one of the challenges is that we have to be pretty large scale and we have to be at volume in order to really kind of move the business. Um, I think some people, sometimes people say, Oh, we, we did a 10,000, you know, print order with your ink. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's relatively small amount, um, of, of, of revenue to do that. Now, when you start printing 10 million shirts, like there's some good revenue there, (laughs) you know? Definitely. from the inside
0: of things no for sure so so what are your plans so we're talking about eight years into the game what are your plans for like scaling the business long term and how many people do you have on your team at the moment
1: yeah we're, we're eight right now um cool. yeah yeah, yeah we, we just hired a um a coo who's who we've been working with over the years and he's amazing so yeah really excited about that and And, um, you know, scaling last year was a big year. I mean, last year was really the first year that we sent out bulk pallets of ink to um, really printers all over the world and almost every continent. Um, So that was a big year for us. And um, we're seeing a lot of these brands who have been doing smaller trials or mid-sized trials now starting to scale up and use this at uh, scale. So um, right now we're we're right where we kind of want to be in terms of the scale up. Um, you know, we're looking at different models and how to scale this. Whether we partner with a with an ink company, um, like a larger ink company, or some kind of partner that already has millions of dollars worth of capital equipment in house, where we can kind of work with them to scale it, rather than kind of build out our, our own little you know ink factory. Um, we do have we do have a. I mean, we can make about twelve hundred pounds of ink per day in our current facility in Colorado. Mm-hmm. So we we do have the capacity to fulfill on on, on decent uh, size orders, but. Um, one of the big things, again, we'll come back to people and, and companies and partnerships, I think, to really scale this uh, globally.
0: Yeah, as always, man, always comes back to people. Yeah, um, yeah. Can you tell me a bit about your Time Lapse Inc. product? Yeah, I think that's yeah, really yeah. Interesting.
1: yeah. So that was our first. That's what kind of we founded the company on. Um, awesome. And, you know, I am recalling up my 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 now co-founder friend at the time, Steve Albers. Uh, we went to s- s- uh, grad school together. And we were always coming up with ideas because kind of like you we said, like, let's get, let's, you know, we, we know we're going to be successful. What are we going to do and how are we going to do this? I, You know, what ideas are we going to come up with? And, um, you know, I, I called them up and I pitched them this idea. Like, we're, you know, so I can send you, uh, let's just say, a greeting card in the mail. And on day one, it says happy birthday. On day two, a cake shows up. And day three candles pop up and it says from scott you know happy birthday so you can actually it's a living ink so i call it like it's kind of like micro gardening so like you know how you would garden and you plant plants this is basically doing the same thing except you're doing algae like in a small little form, it's
0: photosynthesizing it's
1: it's it's growing it's literally growing so you can put it underneath a lamp you can put it by your window with sunlight and so that was our time lapse card and you know we had a lot of cool potential and stories there like we were thinking about doing billboards with like ad companies where you you know if you did the same commute every day like every day it changes and you're like wait what the heck like that wasn't there yesterday um But this kind of came back to business model. What's the bigger, bigger picture here? And I think there's some cool stories. I think it was very creative and maybe innovative and artistic. Um, But, you know, we were starting to send out product that contained like plastic and other materials. And to your to your question, like, do you even really need ink? you know, I was saying, do people really need this? You know, is it cool? Yes. You know, if it helps kids think about things, that's awesome. But really my whole goal is like, hey, let's scale up a material that really does have a major impact on sustainability that we can really implement into the supply chain for that impact.
0: Why, why do you care, man? Like wh- where did the yeah. interest in sustainability even come from? Is that like, Is it that connection with like the life in the ocean or what was it that got you to have these strong values?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of, it's just like the respect for, you know, I guess, you know, earth and nature. Um, and then also just like, you know, I I don't think anyone, if you go to the beach and you see trash everywhere and you see, you know, uh, Marine life not doing well, like, I don't think that makes anyone feel really good. Uh, you know? And so, um, I think that's a tough question to, to answer, but I was just, I was raised by, um, uh, a family that really like, you know, if you went to the beach and you saw trash, you just picked it up like that's what you did because you're like a good citizen. Right. And whether it's about climate change or like the safety of marine animals or just like, hey, we want the beach to be clean so we can play. You know, like there was always just that mentality. Um, I also just think that, you know, I, I just think that these are reasonable things to be doing. Right. And what started my motivation early on was that um, when you think about oil or petroleum like when i learned that it's a finite resource and it took 600 million years to produce that oil that we're using at really fast pace um whether or whatever like at some point there's going to be alternatives and for us humans we think of 100 years as a really long time right but in terms of the earth like it's a it's not even a microsecond you know Mm -hmm. so when we say oh we got enough oil to last us another 100 years well we better be innovating right now and we better start you know you know and kind of like what your climate skeptic talked about like you know petroleum is used everywhere if you said no more petroleum today that'd be that would really be a, a bad deal for for all of us who need to you know drive around and use materials that being said alternatives and you know need to be developed now and we need to start you know uh, transitioning um, all of these petroleum-based products into alternatives that that's my take so it's really about hey, just keep, keeping the world going
0: <laughs> hey man it's a good take i mean the world's such a good time might as well keep it going we, and we can always improve and, and I, I love that so you you had a big name drop there of patagonia are there any other yeah. large companies or industries that are specifically interested in your product at the moment
1: Yeah. Yeah. We've got, um, you know, some of the largest footwear companies and outdoor apparel companies using it from everything from, from fleeces to shirts, to shorts, to shoes. Um, so 2022 should be a big year in terms of launches with these brands that, that, then we can kind of talk about all the work that we've been doing, but, um, but, uh, um, you know, we just did a, a launch with a, a European apparel company that's a very innovative company called Volbach. Um, you can mm-hmm. you can look it up online, and kind of they tell a great story about you know what what black pigment is right now and how algae black is a better pigment in, in all these different ways. So yeah, just starting to do some launches after you know years of R and D and you know learning how to scale this up. Um, uh, so yeah, Pat- Patagonia has been a really great um, partner of ours. Really starting in 2018, all the way up into. Um, you know, they're still buying ink for various uh, packaging applications
0: and, and uh, things like that. I mean, yeah, that's one of the best examples of a company that operates like really strictly on values, which is something that I really hope to represent at my business as they continue to grow as yeah. well. Um, last thing on algae, I did want to ask you. There's more opportunities for drawing down carbon beyond just your ink product with, with algae. I'm sure as, as you've studied algae for many years, I wanted to know uh, your thoughts on like comparing it to other, uh, carbon drawdown opportunities like reforestation, planting trees. Could we just we could we grow like a lot of seaweed to sequester carbon? Yeah. You put any thought into this?
1: Yeah, I mean, like you know, there, there's you know, so we use kind of uh, a small type of algae called microalgae that you can grow domestically. Like you know, like right now, one of our major algae suppliers is in Southern California, and so they recycle all the water that they use, and they just they harvest the, the crop every single day um and there's other groups doing kind of kelp or macroalgae and they're actually going to uh the coastal areas and harvesting that and and learning how to grow it better and you know we kind of don't realize this but the ocean is a huge sink for carbon because there's so much algae out there and so harvesting that algae i think there's there's a lot of uh potential there um there's companies making algae materials uh, into footwear Um, into um, foams for shoes and surfboards. I mean, there's a lot of innovation going on out there. So um, I think there's a, I think there's a huge opportunity for algae in the near future. And then, uh, you know, in, in, in how it relates to other drawdowns, I I think algae is favorable for, for some reasons, but I also think, you know, planting trees and maintaining forests, I don't think you can beat that in terms of the, you know, we know how to do it, we should do it, <laughs> however we can yeah. do that. Um, you know, in terms of the numbers, um, you know, one number that we came up with is that if you turned all of the black ink in the world into algae ink, it would it would be about equivalent to um, 17 million trees. So, cool. um, so you know, it, it, there's an, there, there's definitely like a, a, an impact there, even with something that's, you know, as trivial as ink.
0: <laughs> yeah well it's i mean it's less trivial than i might have imagined before this podcast when you really start to look at the world and think about how it works and how there's so many different integrated pieces going on and that's what i love talking to people like you who who uh have like their their specific area of expertise whether it was in ink or in algae and then you integrated them both together but there was that sustainability value behind what you were doing and it's so cool to talk to all these people from different sectors doing this stuff it's amazing there was an interesting something interesting i read about you and your background i wanted to ask you and i've kind of gotten this just from the podcast how you kind of look around the world and are just genuinely curious individual and want to see how things work and how you can improve it. So I just wanted to ask you how you think that shaped your life so far.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good question. And, you know, I think that, um, I think curiosity leads to a lot of great things. You know, I, I've loved raising my kids so far because I get to read these books that break things down at a very basic level, right? Like jets, like how does a jet engine work? Like I couldn't tell you that like a, a year ago. Now that I'm reading this book with my son, I'm like, oh, I know how a jet engine works, right? So I'm always very curious about how things work, how things are made. You know, The first time we ever went into a, a printer and we saw packaging being produced for a brand, I said, this is crazy, right? This is where the cardboard's made. This is how the printer works. Like I just get very fascinated with that. And I think it shaped my life in the way that I've never really cared about maybe the the superficial things uh, in life. Like for for example, like um, in college, like I should have been studying for an exam, but then you end up in this Wikipedia rabbit hole of like how are antibiotics made, right? You know, and and in my head, <laughs> in my head, I'm going like this isn't this is not like how what I should be doing right now. But for in terms of my values and curiosity, it was a great great use of my time. I got my brain sure. going in ways that I never thought it would. And I go, oh my gosh, what if we could do this? And I'm going back to my book going, oh, I, you know, I need to be able to at least get certain grades so I can, you know, do go into grad grad school and do these different things. So uh, I think that's always been one of my top priorities. And, you know, really, you know, one of the things we did at Living Ink to take the pressure off, this was like early, early days with my co-founder, Steve, is we said, you know, let's not talk about exit strategy or, or multinational partnerships. Let's focus the number one priority on being learning every day. If we learn something every day, good things are gonna happen, whether it's about business or science or anything like that. And so that's really been our motto. And, you know, even after we have a, a day where there was some challenges, we said, did we learn something? Yeah, we absolutely. you know, even during supply chain last year, like we were learning every day, like how things work, how we kind of come up with solutions and it's going to make us so much stronger, you know, right now and into the future. So really looking at these challenges as opportunities and then being curious about how things work, because if you understand how things work, then you can kind of be able to manipulate it and control it the way that you want to do it, whether that's science or business.
0: Yeah. I mean, last year was definitely a big year for understanding how supply <laughs> yeah. chains work. Yeah, I think we're cool.
1: still we're still learning. Even the experts are learning how it all works.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've, I'm trying to think of what Ray Dalio says. It's like dreams plus reality equals a successful life. Yeah. So yeah, understanding yeah. how yeah. things work, but always being curious and trying to create innovation is uh, pretty cool. So I, I love what your company's doing, man. It was really a, a true honor to just have you on the show for a little little bit to chat. I always love to ask people at the end here, uh, what advice do you have for uh, maybe someone who has trouble focusing because their head is so full of all these other ideas. Um, yeah, I might yeah. have a little bit of similarity <laughs> to that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I you know the thing that I've come up with is like trying to block off time where you get to just dream big, think about where you want to be in 10 years, write anything crazy down that's on your mind. And then there's that time that's just got to get things done and focus, you know, and right now at Living Inc, we're in this growth period where it's about manufacturing, being consistent, things that, you know, I think are probably on the more boring side than generating brand new ideas and trying to like to get that into a product. You know, one of the things that I do every day that, that I think is very useful for me is I write down like my, my three priorities for the day every day. And if I'm not going after those priorities and I'm doing something wrong. And so, you know, even if I go down the Wikipedia, you know, rabbit hole now, you know, I have to say, no, no, I have to get these things done and I have to go back to those priorities. And if you do, you know, if I do that every week or every day, every week, every month, like good things will happen if I'm tackling those priorities, but I almost, I have to write it down just to remind myself, like stay focused today.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What I found to be very useful is to have like specific times blocked off to just like like a thinking session or I have these gigantic whiteboards in my room yeah, yeah. and I'll just like write all my ideas down. I mean like probably every quarter I'll just have a day where I just write yeah. like what's my, what's my vision? What's my mission? Like how am I, yeah. uh, how am I reaching my goals now? And uh, yeah. yeah, cool. Great. Scott, thanks for taking the time, man. It's, it's been a yeah. pleasure. Thanks for,
1: uh, thanks for doing what you do. I think it's, uh, I think it's innovative and I think it's, uh you know, uh leading the way in this thing that people really haven't thought about or done really so um thanks for doing what you're doing and thanks for letting me join you on the podcast today
0: my pleasure man yeah we need to we need to integrate sales and we need to sell a sell a better life sell a better world and i think that's exactly what you guys are doing as well so uh you're very welcome man uh thanks everybody for listening see you soon